together for Jesus tonight. Welcome to Church on the North Coast. Amen. Amen. Can you do me a favor? Make somebody feel welcome tonight at Church on the North Coast. Come on, greet one another in the Lord tonight. Welcome, welcome, welcome all over the house. You're watching online. Welcome to Church on the North Coast tonight. So glad you're here. If you're a first-time guest, if you brought somebody for the first time, raise your hand. We have a gift for you. It's a bag of money. A bag of money. Cedric, first hand up. You get the bag of money. Cedric, I'm watching. I'm watching. Welcome back. De Los Santos. I'm glad to see you're safe. We'll talk about Mexico here in a minute. But I, hey, tell me where you went. I want to go. You know, I like Mexico. That's all I'm saying. I like beaches and sand. Looks like you guys, happy anniversary to the day last night. Everybody, it was their anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> welcome, welcome tonight. Hey, there's one announcement. I don't, there probably is more. There's more. There, they, listen, if you want to stay connected, you got to download the app. How many have the app? You got the app? No, you don't have the app? Okay, just, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, but if you want to be real connected, you got to get the app. Uh, the movie night's coming up. Here's what we want you to do for the movie night. Invite, invite a bunch of people that don't know Jesus. I have never in my life uh, witnessed the presence of the Lord on, a t the tangible presence of the Lord on a movie the way I have on uh, the Jesus Revolution movie. We're gonna, we'll be showing it here. I invite your friends, your family, your neighbors, your, you know, your, your enemies, people you don't like from work. Maybe you'll like them more if they get saved. Amen. Bring them, bring them to church. And then uh, the other announcement is, if you're, if you're in a life group tonight, uh, this isn't for you. How many are not in a life group? Nobody raised their hands. You're all liars. You know, I came to church to lie in front of the Lord. All right? Listen, we're having a life group this Thursday at French Creek. I'm telling you now, we'll post a sign at the door. I don't want anybody getting mad, but it's summer. And when it's summer, I like to go outside. You know what I mean? So we're going to go outside. You know what I think would be fun is if we had a kickball game. You guys want to have a kick? Cedric, you're down for a, a kickball game? All right, we'll be captains, all right? We'll be captains. Can't be on the same team. I think you got a, a, a lead foot. So, uh, You know who was really good at kickball when I was a kid? Uh, uh, Calvin Carswell. Johnny Carswell. He's related to Johnny. This kid could kick the, the kickball over the school. Dude, Calvin, if you're out there, man. Come this Thursday to Life Group, you're on my team. I remember, Calvin, man, that big red ball, catch it, put checkers on your face. Welcome to Church on the North Coast. We need to receive the offering tonight. So if you're not in a life group, I want to say I'd rather you be in a life group than just come to church and not be in a life group. Amen? I'd rather you be connected uh, relationally than just come and listen to sermons and sing songs. But they're not songs, they're... Their, their, uh, their worship, but I'd rather you do that because uh, life's going to happen and then, you know, you'll disappear. And if you disappear, if there's no relationships, and then you'll get mad. Here's the tendency of people, like when they, they, they come to church, they don't, I was just talking about your, I think it's your, your cousin, Johnny, Calvin, nephew. The, nephew, the dude could kick a kickball over, over Durling Elementary. I remember that, man. Tell him I want him to come this Thursday to Life Group, be on my team. Oh, man. All right. I'll hit him up on Facebook. What was I saying? I don't know. I was taking the offering? All right, let's take the offering. Oh, yeah, I want, you to be in, I want you to be in a life group. I want you to be in a life group. That's what I was saying. Come on, guys, pay attention. 
I might miss my place. I might miss my, that wasn't the offering. I, was, I went back, I switched up on you. I went back to, to life group. I'm talking about life groups now. So I need you to be in a life group because what will happen is you will leave and then you'll get mad that, that nobody noticed you left. And I'll see you 10 years from now in like a grocery store and you'll be like, I've been gone for 10 years. You didn't even know it. I'm like, what? You didn't, you had no relationships with nobody. Don't get mad at me. Jesus, Jesus had disciples. You didn't want to be, belong no disciple groups. So come, come be a part of life group this, this, uh, this Thursday. French Creek. What time? 6.30. 6.30. We're going to have a kickball game. It'll be fun. Hold up your offering tonight. Thank you so much for continuing to support the vision of heaven over this region. We want to bless it tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, campus is, not this week, the following week, campus coming. Are we full? We are absolutely full for camp. So sorry about that. It filled up really fast. Uh, as I understand it, there are a lot of kids in camp. But let's, let's pray for your offering tonight. Uh, bless the giver and the gift tonight, God. I pray, Lord, that as it is sown this evening, that as it goes into the ground, as it goes into the soil, it is a seed. But it is a seed that produces heaven on earth. It's not like the seed sown by the world. It is a seed sown in faith. And so I pray the return of heaven on the seed that's being sown tonight. I pray for miracles tonight as it's sown. I pray for strength and victory. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. God, that you would heal and make alive tonight. That we would reap the harvest of heaven. That we would actually see heaven manifest through this seed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take your Bible. Go with me to the Bible. 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Uh, just hold on to that for a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. My son, Caleb, uh, he showed up a few years back. Well, maybe a couple of years back, he showed up, and uh, the security team, he, I think he was here on a Sunday morning, and, uh, and there's a security team, if you didn't know it, there's a security team that, <clears throat> like, they're, they're kind of placed throughout the building. We've had some death threats and everything, no big deal, you know, just whatever, you know, but there have been some death threats, which is, you know. And so we had to ramp up security a little bit. And so, uh, you know, our security team can be overzealous at times. They can, they can really, they're on their dime. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're good. This guy, this guy in the front. I've been here for how many years? 42 years. For, for a long, long time. So, so security, the security didn't, they didn't necessarily know who he was. But because of... Uh, you know who he was. I heard in I heard in TJ's ear. That's that's Pastor's son. That's Pastor's son. Let him go. Don't say nothing to him. And so I heard. Him. And so Caleb Caleb's walking around the whole place, and he's just you know he walked through the coated doors over there. Then there's another set of doors and another set of doors. And Caleb was just moving all throughout the building. All because of his image and his likeness. Because he was my son. Because of his identity, he was, he was given for permission 
to go into places that are, would otherwise you would, need, you would need special clearance to get there. Uh, the, I have a friend who travels a lot and preaches the gospel a lot, and he was telling me about this time. He was traveling between these two countries, and, and the countries were, they had this long corridor, about 100 yards long, between, you know, immigration. So like you'd leave one country and you would walk through this secure corridor where there's no way out of it. It's just like this long 100-yard corridor to the next country and then present your identification to gain access to the country. And he said somewhere between leaving the one country and, and coming into the other country, he said, I lost my identification. And he gets to the other side. I mean, I don't know if you've ever traveled abroad, but that's a paralyzing feeling to lose your passport while traveling overseas. He, he, they're, they're look, they're, they tear the bags apart looking for their identification. in Because otherwise, what happens if, if they can't find their identification, if they can't identify... If they, can't, if they can't prove their identity, they, they're stuck. They're stuck between that place and that place. Identity is so important that the enemy, the devil, is so afraid of who you really are that he has created in the earth today. He, he has created a spell that has set the entire world into a trance. A trance is an altered state of reality. Comes from the word trance. You see, the devil knows that the sons, the sons get access. The sons get to go where the father is. The sons get to go. They, they have access beyond the, the realm of the average. The sons have access beyond the veil. And the devil knows you have access as a son and a daughter of God. He understands the access that has been granted to the sons and the daughters of God. And so he's so wise to it. He's actually, he's more aware of your identity than you are. Because if you knew your identity, you would never, we would never allow the enemy to sow lies of deception that steal our authority from our identity. So the enemy knows who you are. He knows, he knows if you ever, if you ever get confident in the image and likeness of God on your life, if you ever get good and confident 
about who God made you to be. You'll walk with a confidence and a swagger, and you'll walk with this assurance that even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because the Lord is with me, because I know that I bear his image and his likeness. Not only am I going through the valley of the shadow of death, but he's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He set a table just for me. He knows exactly. He knows he, God, God knows exactly who he made and how he made me. And if you ever get good and confident of that fact, if you could ever get more confident than the devil is, because the devil is so afraid of your identity that he has created a counterfeit transformation. He's created a trans movement because he's got nothing original, guys. He's got, no, he's got no originality. All he can do is take what the Father does and he mocks it. But, but I just want you to know, God will not be mocked. I just want you to know, the Scripture says that, that God will not be mocked. But the enemy mocks what God does and he creates a counterfeit version of transformation. Be why does he do it? Why does he do it? Because he fears who you are. So because he fears who you are, you know what, he'll, you know what the lies and deception that he'll tell you? You're not enough. You're not good enough. He'll sow he'll so insecurity. He'll make you doubt the very gift that God gave you. Why? Because he's afraid of you. He realizes it. Second Corinthians, or no, yeah, Second Corinthians 3. Look what it says. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory. What are we looking at? We're looking at glory. We look at glory. We behold glory. And when we behold glory, we are being what? We are being transformed. So God is, God is transforming. God is transforming us. And how are we transformed? Glory. When we, when, whenever there is glory, we look at it like a mirror. And what glory does to the sons and daughters of God, listen to me. What glory does to the sons and daughters of God is it changes them instantly. This is why you can't mess around when you come, to, when you come into the presence of the Lord. Because if, if, if you really want to be changed, if you really are looking for, for like transformation in your life, transformation is metamorphosis. It is, you know, it's the idea of the, of the, of the caterpillar to the butterfly. And if you, if you ever want to fly one day, right, if you ever want to change and you want to become greater than you are, then, then glory the sons and daughters of God. Glory is how we change. We are transformed into the image from glory to glory. So glory, glory changes us. Watch this. Go to John 1, 41 to 42. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, 
we've found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, but you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Now, now I just want you to check this out. I just want you to notice that Jesus didn't ask him his pronouns. He didn't ask him how he felt about it. He didn't ask him, hey, how do you identify? He, did, he already knew who he was. He already knew his identity. Jesus knows your identity. He already knows who you are. And I want you to know, because he knows who you are, he, he says, anytime you're in my presence, and now what I really want you to grab hold of here is that Peter just, we know him as Peter, but this is two seconds into the introduction to Jesus. We live in a society that says, you must accept me as I am. This is an abhorrent, abomination, and heretical statement in the face of Jesus. Because what we know about the presence of Jesus is when you come into the glorious presence of Jesus, one thing happens, and that is you are changed. So much so that he doesn't ask your opinion about it. He doesn't ask you how you feel about it. He, you know, and that's where the enemy does his best work. Just, just, just you know, feelings, feelings. He wants you to feel stuff. But Jesus didn't ask him none of that. He didn't ask him what he felt about it. And it's so profound. Within two seconds of introducing Simon to Jesus, Jesus changes his name. Because God is a God of transformation. He is a God of transformation. He will, you will never authentically experience his person without leaving that experience changed. You will be changed if you come into his presence. Every time you come into his presence, you will go from one glorious transformation to another glorious transformation. You will go from glory to glory to glory to glory every time you come into his presence. Why? Because, because you are made in his image. This is why this is why Jesus changed his name. He said, no, the world has it wrong. I know exactly who you are, Julie. I know exactly who you are, TJ. I know exactly who you are. I know who I made, and I refuse to let the world name what I made. As a matter of fact, I'm changing your name. As a, I'm going to change your name, and as, when I change your name, I'm going to change your future. I'm going to change your destiny. I'm going to change your purpose. I'm going to change all of your future because I changed your name. Because anytime you experience the presence of the Lord, he will change you. And what the world needs now is an experience, an authentic experience of the presence of the Lord that will change them. And why? Why? Have you ever asked that? God, why is it so important? Why can't I just be who I am now and just be this person 
Why can't I just live this way and then live out a good 80 to 5 to, to 120 years in the earth and then go to heaven? How come you, Jesus, how come you won't let me just be the person I am? Because your identity is me, Jesus says. This is the believer's identity. Jesus, you and I, why is Jesus doing this? Why is God changing you? Because he knows. He knows, not I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. He knows that the, that the destruction of hell on earth is dependent, it, it must have a believer who, who has the identity not of themselves, but of Christ. Because you can't raise the dead. But Christ in you, the same spirit, the same power, that same spirit. If you identify, if you identify with anything other than Jesus, then you are identifying with defeat. Jesus says your identity is not where you came from. It's not your color. It's not your political affiliation. It's not, it's not what neighborhood. It's not your mom or your dad. Jesus says your identity, your image, and your likeness is becoming me. You are, be, you are becoming me. Why? Because I resurrect the dead. I rob death, hell, and the grave. I am the one who opens blind eyes. You can't do it, but I, Jesus said, I can do it. And if you'll surrender yourself to the transformative power of God by the presence, by the glorious, so what does it require? It requires the glorious presence of God to be transformed. So you can't neglect the presence. Presence, presence is the highest priority. Not an agenda, not a cute sermon, not inspiration, not a song that tickles, not, not a progressive gospel. The only thing that will give the believer any ammunition to fight the devil who hates them and robs from them is my presence, church. It is my presence. They must come into my presence because in my presence I will transform them from glory to glory to glory. I will shake addiction off of them. I will shake generational curses off of them. I will remove depression off of them. My glorious presence will do it. My glorious presence will do it, he says. But if, we're, if we tolerate a gospel we've tolerated a gospel that's empty and devoid of presence but, but, but it's inspirational. I mean, you know, Jesus said, if they come preaching any other gospel, let them be cursed. The gospel, Jesus, the presence. Why? Because Jesus knows you don't stand a chance in hell in your own authority. And the, and, and the devil knows 
once he sees Christ in you? It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Why then does he sow insecurity among the, among the youth? Why does he make young girls so insecure? Why does he do it? It's a, it's a counterfeit transformation. So transformation, it's the, it's the glorious presence of God that changes the believer into the image and the likeness of the creator, of Jesus. So we're becoming more and more like Jesus. So what does the devil do? God, God transforms. The devil puts us in a trance. He creates a, tr a cheap counterfeit, and it is called today the trans movement. A trans movement. Change to the image and likeness. This is change. This is change to the image and likeness of Christ. This is change right here to the image and likeness of the devil. So the trans, I'm, gonna get, I'm, 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 I'm about to freak it out. So the image and the likeness of Satan, the image and the likeness of Satan, what does he do? We all know what he does. John 10, what does he do? He steals. What's his nature? He's going to steal, he's going to kill, and he's going to destroy. So what does he do? He, set, he, he creates an altered state of reality into the entire world. You can't deny it. Why on earth would, would a beer company that sells beer to good old boys put, put a, 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 a trans person on their can, knowing that it would be devastating? Why? It's a spirit. Say, same spirit. Same spirit, different age. Same spirit, different age, right? Right now, the same spirit, just a different age. These are the same spirits. You're not dealing with anything new. So what does the enemy do? He creates a counterfeit movement because he he's got nothing original. He creates a counterfeit movement. It's a trans movement. And what, what is his objective? His objective is to, is to malign the sons and the daughters of God. How does he do it? How? Have you noticed? Have you noticed? The increase of oppression in the last four to five years. Off the charts, man. And if I'm Satan, if I'm Satan, I'm cool. I'm cool with the church being naive. I'm cool with the progressive gospel. I'm cool with that. Because a progressive gospel won't confront demons if they come through the door. A progressive gospel will leave God's children in bondage, in shackles, in chains. It won't confront. Because once it confronts, it may offend. But Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Now, what he's saying is my presence is going to offend some demons. My presence is going to offend this world. But blessed are those who are not offended because of me. The enemy, his nature is destruction. His nature is to steal. His nature is to destroy. That's his nature. So he creates a counterfeit version of transformation. And you think it's new, but it's not. You think it's new, but it is not. I'm about to show you. Go to Ephesians 6. You say, how? 
Troy, how did we get here? How in the world did we get to the place? How, how, how in the world did we get to the place to where the church is arguing with one another on the sanctity and the sacredness of life? How in the world did we get to the place to where we, as the church of the living God, can't figure out whether a baby in its mother's womb is sacred or not? How in the world have we drawn, have we drawn party lines and affiliated ourselves with the left or the right, all arguing among, playing in the mud, playing in the pig pen when we are children of the Most High God? How did it happen? How did we get to this point where Target puts pedophilia right at the front of their building when they know their Target audience is a bunch of conservative moms? How in the world did we get here? It's demonic. It's demonic. And, and the world has been put into a trance. The world has been put into the trance. And if I'm the devil, if I am Satan, I'm cool. I'm cool with the church being passive, being tolerant, being ignorant, being naive. We should just love. We've got to cowardly, cowardly. We have labeled our cowardice as love. We have labeled our passivity as tolerance and acceptance and we have put our trust and hope in a gospel that is not the gospel we have put our trust and hope in a gospel that is empty Ephesians 6 verse 12 now now when you when you read this I don't want you I don't start wrestling we read this as, as believers and we get the wrestling right away no wrestling all right we are not here to wrestle tonight, we are here to identify how Satan has cast such a spell upon the globe. How, pastor, how has Satan done this thing that you're speaking of? Well, we're not wrestling tonight, but we realize the most loving thing we can do is identify and not compromise truth. It's, it's mean to lie to people. It's, it's more meaner to lie to people and smile at them in their face. If you're going to lie to me, just lie. Don't be kind. Don't be kind to me. If you're going to lie, by all means, never flatter me. I can't stand that. Because there's nothing worse than a polite lie. There's nothing more just sickening than a polite lie. Like, I'm, I hate you so much, I'm gonna lie to you, but I'm gonna cover it up with virtue of my smile. I'm gonna lean my head to the left and I'm gonna touch you, and I'm gonna say, I love you. We love you, world. We love you. No, we don't. If you loved them, you tell them the truth. You tell them the truth. You tell them the truth. 
He said, he said in the scriptures, those who worship me must worship me. How? Oh, 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 okay. He didn't say, those who worship me must worship me in the flesh and in false pretense. I want the appearance of love. No, those who worship God, the only way you can worship God with your life is in truth through the Holy Ghost. Must be true. Jesus is the standard of truth. Holy Ghost is the revealer, is the one who brings. He comes and he, he, like, he coaches your words, but he will not compromise Jesus. The Spirit of God will never compromise truth. So if you catch yourself out here, if you catch yourself saying stuff like, well, I'm just going to be, I'm going to say it nice. You better check to see if your Holy Ghost is not lying to you. Because if you're out here trying to be nice and covering up the lie with, with, and making a lie look virtuous, your whole, you don't, that's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will always indicate, he will always reveal truth. He, 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 he doesn't know anything else, but that's Jesus. Should, should we murder 60 million babies in the womb? That's Jesus. Should we, should, we, uh, uh, should we affirm identities beyond what God said is a man or a woman? That is Jesus. Je ask Jesus, because Jesus will not lie. So how did the devil do it? How did Satan pull this trick off? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle. We do wrestle against principalities. How did he do it? He invaded principalities. This is going to hurt your feelings maybe a little bit. But a principality is a governing, is a local governing authority. I know that's nice, isn't it? How did he do it? He invaded principalities, schools, governments. He invaded principalities. Anytime in the Bible, check it, check your Bible. Anytime. In the Bible, Satan wanted to rule principalities. He would, he would do something with kings. Go to kings. He would do something with the kings. He would, he would go to the highest place possible, which speaks of influence. And there in the high place, he would set up alliances with principalities and powers and lots of times they would set up Asherah poles or they would, they would create Asherah trees up there. And they would create, they would take the local governing principality and they would, they would get to a high place of influence and they would create an alliance together. Ahab did it with, with who did Ahab do? He did it with Baal and Asherah. He created an alliance with them. And I just want you to know that Ahab was a king. 
and he was a bad king. And anytime there's a bad king, the high places were set up. Anytime there was a good king, what happened? A good king with the heart for God. What did the, God, what did the king do who had a heart for God? The principality, the principality would get to the high place and he would cut the tree down. He would cut, he would take an ax and he would cut the tree down. He would break off any alliances with any demonic or satanic forces and he would set up the rule of God over his land. How has Satan put the world into a trance? He has invaded the governments of the world. No, I'm good. Don't worry, baby. I'm good. I'm like a cat. <laughs> That's how he's done it. Can you argue that? Can you tell me I'm lying? No. He has invaded principalities. Against principalities? Against what? Oh, powers. Oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. So he uses powers? He uses power. What is the world drunk with now? Power. So how has, how has Satan put the world into a trance? Powerful people. He's created alliances, and we're all out here dancing to their music. And like it, but put a ring on it. We're out here jamming to their music, and they're creating alliances. They're, they're, they're using their power to create an alliance with Satan. Power. The world's gluttons for power right now. They, Satan comes to Jesus right, right at the, in, the beginning, and he offers him what? Power. He offers him power. He says, if you worship me, I'll give you all of this. I'll give you power. How does he do it to the believer? You know what, you know what messes up most believers? Authority. Power. It's not weakness that gets you. Weakness drives you to God. Pain drives you to God. Power drives you to the enemy. Power reveals what's in there. Power. Rulers against powers, comma, against the rulers of the darkness. The darkness. Once again, if I was the devil, I would want you to ignore the rulers of the darkness. I would want you to be passive. I would want your gospel to be milk toast. I wouldn't want you to talk about sin. I would, there are, but first I just want you to see that just admit, just admit it. Can we do that tonight? Can we admit that there are rulers of the darkness? Because if we can just admit that, there, that the boogeyman's in the darkness, at least we know where our, where our enemy is. But if we keep our heads in the sand and we keep, we keep pretending like the evidence that's stacked up is not the evidence that has stacked up, I mean, if we just keep saying, no, it's not really that. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're, you're just being weird, Troy. You're just being a holy road. You're just, you read that Bible so much, you are delusional. But I just want us tonight as the church of the living God to understand that there are, there are rulers of the darkness. 
There are demons of darkness that are, that are roaming about in the land today and we have pretended as if they're not there. We are pretending as if cancer is normal, guys. We are pretending like sudden adult death syndrome is something normal. No, these are rulers of the darkness. We are pretending as if there's all these other genders. You're pretending there are only two genders. God made them man and he made them woman. We are pretending because there are rulers of the darkness. We are, we are allowing, we are compromising sin because of the rulers of the darkness. And again, comma, and again, spiritual hosts. What? Spiritual host. There are spiritual hosts in heavenly places. These, these are fallen angels. <laughs> there are spiritual hosts. He said, I have given the seed, of Ang the seed of Abraham angelic assistance. You and I, we have angelic assistance. What does the enemy do? Because we are sons and daughters of God, we get angelic assistance. What does then the enemy do? He gives demonic assistance to the, to the trans movement. He creates his image and his likeness and he sends the hordes of hell after them. But just be nice, okay? Just be nice while the demons from hell torment them, confuse them, Break them down. Just be kind to them. Just be nice to them, though, okay? Just be nice. While demons from hell are unleashed on the earth in such ridiculous amount that, that like, we, we've closed our eyes, but there are demons tormenting our sisters and brothers and sons and daughters. There are demons of alcoholism tormenting our children. There are demons of addiction that are ravenously eating our children. Because that is what the enemy, it is a cheap counterfeit of transformation. It is a demonic counterfeit of transformation. God, God transformed them into his image and likeness. I will, I will find the sons and the daughters of Adam and Eve, and I will transform them into my image. I will make them look like me, act like me. I will confuse them. I will disorient them. I will create chaos in their life. I will make them so insecure that they think they are the ugliest person on the planet. I will make them feel rejected and shame. I will cause a mother and a father to abandon their own children and create such rejection in them that they perpetuate the shame for generation after generation after generation. Why? Because I'm afraid of who God made them to be. God is so afraid of you. Satan, I'm sorry. Satan is so afraid of you. He is so afraid of you. Never before in, in history have we ever seen Satan come after a generation like he's coming after you. Never. 
You think the sexual revolution was something, it was the beginning of it, but they were the target. They were the target. And, the, and, and here's what you must know. If you're the target, oh, then you're the answer. If you are the target, you are the answer. If he fears you that much, there must be something in your identity that will cast the devil and all of his hordes into the dark and dry places. There must be an identity of Christ that he's so afraid of that he will tempt you with sexual perversion, identity confusion. And that's just, that's if you make it. That's if you make it out of the womb. How does he do it then? Same spirit, same spirit, different age. There are three spirits I want to tell you about tonight, then I'll be done. Three spirits. My Pac-Man spirits. All right. Oh, this one. She's really, she's really, ugh. I, I, I hate her, but him, Shim, Trant, she's, she's the one, dude. She's the one. We'll get back to her, but she's the one. She is trifling. Yeah. Oh, this one smiles at you, though. That one smiles. Demons smile at you. This one's called Baal. It's a spirit of Baal. One, remember what I said. There are no, there are no, there's nothing new. These are the same spirits, just a different age. But they've been working. They've been waiting for this moment, guys. They've been waiting for you. They've been, they've been, they've been twiddling their thumbs. They, 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 you remember when your Jesus used to be tolerated? You remember? They used to tolerate your Jesus. Now they openly disdain Jesus. The devil has created a culture where the name of Jesus is despised. Christians are persecuted. You never thought you'd see it in your time. But it's happening. It's happening. In the spirit of Baal. You know who Baal was? He, he was the God of thunder. He was called the God of thunder. Now, I don't have time to take you to all the chapters and verses. You're just going to have to go to like the Old Testament and, and do some, some word search here. But the God of Baal, uh, the, the false God of Baal, he's the God of thunder, which really... Um, Really, he was, he controlled the economy. That's what Baal did. Remember when Ahab made an alliance with the God of Baal and Elijah confronts him and he says, he says it's not gonna rain. The reason, the reason Elijah told him it's not gonna rain is because Ahab had an alliance with Baal and Baal controlled the weather. He was the God of thunder and if it rained, the crops would come in and they would be able to make some cheddar. But, but, but Elijah shows up and he, he's a good king so he comes in and he confronts Ahab. He's not afraid of Ahab. He's not a sissy Christian. He's not a passive Christian. He's not, he's not this progressive Christian. He, he goes to the governor and calls the governor a liar to his face and tells him he's in sin. He, he not only goes and fights, he, he searches him out and finds him and he rebukes him. Oh my goodness. I tried to rebuke a governor during the whole COVID situation and everybody thought I was insane. And I'm like, man, I just wish the church would trust their pastors like they trust their governors. This dude, 
He goes and finds him. He's the God of Baal. He created an alliance. And, and Elijah said, I'm not going to have none of it, son. This is my city. It's time for some Christians to stand up and say, this is my city, and it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain. It's not going to rain. I'm locking this down. Locking it down by the Spirit of the Lord. Baal was the God of thunder, controlled the economy. You say, what does this have to do with today? He said, in the last days, they will become lovers of pleasure. They will love pleasure so much that they will worship their possessions. They will love pleasure so much. They will love the bigger houses and the bigger cars and the status. And they, they, he said, what Baal is, he's a seducing spirit of greed. That, does no, that has no end to it. Just give me, give me, give me, give me. Bigger house, bigger car, bigger this, bigger that. And you say, that's not in the church. Then why are we all working ourselves to death? To pay for houses? To pay for cars? They, there's actually, I'm seeing people paying a monthly payment on a car in excess of $1,000 a month. They tell me that's common. I'm I'm seeing people buying houses where their mortgage, their mortgage payments are six to $7,000 a month. And you tell me we're not worshiping the God of Baal? We gotta take extra jobs to take our kids to things, to compete with all the other people. We, 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 like, we love pleasure so much that we work ourselves to death just to get, just to get the extra thing. Just the newest this and the newest that and the gadget here and the, and, and the, and the new things. And, the, and I'm not telling, I'm I, like, look at me, like, man, like, I love a Harley, but, but I, I, got, I got news for you. Like, I, I don't worship that stuff. I don't worship the stuff that, that, that I have. Like, I thank God for it. But, but if it all goes away tomorrow, I can tell you this, I'll still be serving Jesus just as passionately today. I'm not going to forsake Jesus and the call of God. And it's time for the church to come back and stop worshiping pleasure so much. You say, they don't worship pleasure. If they didn't, they'd be here tonight. Uh, oops, whoops, please redact that. You tell, me that. you tell me we don't worship pleasure. The sun comes out, the church disappears. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's skip this, this nasty no good. Man, this, this one right here, man, I'll tell you. Let's go to Moloch. Moloch is the god of fire. God of fire. And this, this is a spirit of genocide. This is a spirit of genocide. This one, this one, it was said, <laughs> it's really going to offend some people. <laughs> It said that Solomon, in his latter years, you remember he took on a bunch of wives? Well, when you take on a bunch of wives, guess what happens? You start having babies. And what do you do with babies that are no longer a blessing but a curse? What's the work of the enemy? To turn the blessing into a cursing. So what does the enemy do? He takes what's supposed to be a blessing and he turns it into a curse. And so we begin to see children, not as an inheritance from the Lord, but a burden to our pleasure. 
So what do we do? We create a, a sexual revolution. I'll get to that in a second. But we, what we do is we take our children and we pass them through the fire. So it, it is a lot of, like, once again, a lot of, uh, a lot of people out. Uh, so if Solomon started having children with these, these pagan wives, they started, having, they started having children. It is said that, that Solomon created an alliance in his latter years with the God of Moloch, and he would send his children through the fire. You go check that out in your Bible where you see that, that they would take their children and they would walk them through the fire and toss them into the arms, into the pit of fire of Moloch. And what? how many children have been murdered in the name of virtue, in the name of kindness, in the name of a civil right? How, I mean, the, the, we're so confused that we can't even agree that murder Murdering children isn't a civil right. I mean, if I were, you know, oh my goodness, if, if I were black, I'd be like, are you kidding me? Are you telling me what you're telling me? Are you serious? And yeah, I said it out loud, like, come on, that can't be a civil right. That can't be a right guaranteed you by the government. I mean, the, the, really? You should let me kill the unborn. It's a right. It's an inalienable right. But we can't agree that that's, not, but we're not deceived. We're not confused. We're not in a trance. No, no, we got this all under control. But we sit idly by and elect officials that say it's okay. We create, oh, here I go, here I go again. We create alliances with principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, and spiritual hosts of wicked, wicked, uh, heavenly places, and we create alliances with the God of Moloch. We, el we elect these fools. <sighs> Have you had enough? We elect them. The church of the living God elects them. Moloch, God of genocide. And then there's Asherah. Now, like I said, she is some kind of evil man. She is the goddess of sexuality, fertility, of war, even war. She's a goddess of war. If Take a, take a time out on, on Ashra. Do you know the image of Baal? You know what the image of Baal is in the Bible? It's a bronze bull. It's a bronze bull. If you go to downtown Manhattan, what will you see? Back to your regularly televised stuff. That was a bronze bull set up in New York City, a high place of America. Asherah. She's a goddess of sexuality, fertility. She, uh, she has a priesthood. She has a priesthood. And you know what she does with her priesthood? She, she brings, her priesthood is, are all men. They're all men. And she brings them in, 
and she dresses them as she is the first woke, progressive spirit in the land. She's been doing it forever. She, she seduced our great-grandfathers and mothers into believing that the sexual revolution was a good idea. That she convinces young girls to advocate for feminism. She feminizes men. She says in one of her poems, I am woman, I am man. She is the first trans spirit that we're introduced to in the Bible. So what does she do to, to, to the nuclear family? She destroys it. She takes men. She, she takes men and she feminizes them. The sexual revolution, you can do the studies on this. You go do research. But in the sexual revolution, when the, when the, the pill was introduced, they followed the effects of the pill on women. And generation after generation, what they found that was happening was their genetic composition was being altered by the pill. In the name of power, in the name of strength, they were taking a pill to be liberated from the tyranny of men. So they took a pill and they said, I don't want to have children because they're a burden. I don't want to have a husband that tells me what to do. I don't want to surrender to anything or anybody. I am man. I am woman. I can do everything a man can do. So she began to take this pill to liberate her from her husband. And all the while, she did not realize that her genetic composition was changing. And suddenly what happened, generation after generation after generation, is young girls began to choose beta males instead of alpha males. Because they wanted, they wanted men they could control. So they chose men with soft chin lines, slumped shoulders, high-talking, feminine men. You say, you're not, no, I'm just telling you. This is what happened. And they began to reproduce genetically weaker and weaker boys in the earth. And you want to know where homosexuality exploded? Sexual revolution. How did it happen? Spirit of Asherah. Because she said, I will not have a man rule me. I will not have God rule me. I will rule myself. I am strong. If you look up her image, she's got broad shoulders. She's muscular and she holds swords in her hands. She holds spears in her hands because she's a goddess of war. You know, women, if you ever, like, where did we go wrong? Like, what happened? What happened? Where we told a woman that her femininity wasn't the most amazing, powerful, alluring, that a woman's femininity could, like, you could, you could arrest the heart of a man with your femininity. You could, like, you could capture him with your femininity, but not with your control. Amen. You look through the Bible, it's like a constant dripping on the head of a man, a nagging woman. You look through the Bible, even Deborah said it. She said, I'm gonna go to war, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna win, she said. I will win, she said. But I want you to know, it will be said that a woman did this. Be 
because she knew the heart of God was not that a woman should war, but that a woman should be tender and caring and nurturing. Not that she should not be strong and standard holding and tough, but feminine all the while. It is a man's place to war. We've convinced young girls, no, you can go to war too. Not only that, we've, we've made it virtuous. We've, get, we've, we've turned it into activism. Go out there and fight the man. She, uh, she turns what God meant to bless into a curse. You say, that is really a whole lot of depressing. <laughs> what? So what do we do? What do we do? Go to Kings. Give me that scripture in Kings. First Kings 18. Here's what Elijah did, and I, I pray tonight. Here's, here's what must happen in the church of the living God. And I say this with such humility. There was a point I wanted to make, and I'm, to be honest, I was just, I was just delaying until it came to my mind. Let me go back here and find it. Ah, I can't think of it. Yeah. It'll come back to me later. Scripture says that Elijah went and sought out. Because you, you cannot cast a demon out if you, if you won't confront it. You can't, like church, it's time to retake our authority. You see, for so long, in the name of tolerance and love, we've operated cowardly and with passivity. And, and I want you to know that the church of the living God is the only force of righteousness. If we, if we don't hold the standard of righteousness, the world is doomed. You think they don't know where they, how to use the restroom now? A couple more years of this, and it, it, it's just, it's a wash. It's over. Our children, our children won't make it. But Elijah, I, I, I tell you this because I want you to know, like, there's still power in the name of Jesus. There's still authority. The, the church has the authority. God did it in the Old Testament in this story, and if God did it in the Old Testament with the types and the shadows of Jesus, I'm telling you that the church, if that power was strong, and if that power was able to exercise over 900 demons off the mountain and cast the spell and the allegiances from, from the world to the, to the principality, if that power was that powerful, then I'm telling you that the power that resides in us tonight as the church of the living God, we can take authority over every principality, over every power, over every ruler of the darkness, over every spiritual host, 
We can take authority. We can create an exorcism tonight over our country, over our nation, and even over the world. There could be a revival that breaks out tonight if we pull our heads out of the sand and say enough is enough. I'm taking back my authority. But you cannot cast out what you refuse to confront. It is time that we raise children and we raise them with militant minds that say, you will invade school boards, you will invade governing authorities, you will invade the, the, the mayor's office, the, poli the police station, you will invade all of these places. You must get to the high places and take authority back in the name of Jesus. So I pray over you tonight. You're watching. You're here tonight. Lift your hands up. I pray over you tonight. Come on, lift your hands up. I pray over you the spirit of Elijah. I pray the spirit of Elijah come upon you tonight. I pray the boldness and the courage to confront every spirit of Moloch, every spirit of Baal, and every spirit, every evil spirit of Asherah. And it's time to cast them off, your children. Cast them off, this city, this nation, this region. Cast them off now in Jesus' name. Amen. We have to retake our authority. Next scripture, we have to clean the house. It is time to clean our houses. And I share this with you with sobriety, with, with like sincerity. Like I'm asking, give me my next scripture. It's found in, I believe it's Luke. Yeah, there. I'm sharing this with you because I'm telling you there are things in your house. There are things in your heart. There are allegiances that you've unknowingly made ties to. There are things in our homes. There, there are things that, there, there are spirits. There are principalities. There are powers. Whether you want to believe it or not, I'm telling you, whether you're, you want to remain ignorant of it or not, I'm telling you, these powers have invaded our homes. They have invaded our hearts. They have invaded our, our schools. There's an invasion. And we, we've closed our eyes to it because we've like, we have, we, we didn't know what to do with it. We knew it was there. And it's your knower, like deep in your spirit tonight, you know uh, what I'm saying is factual. You know it's there. The conviction of the Holy Ghost is like a blanket in this room right now. It's there, guys. It's there, man. It's so there. It's evident. It's not even being hidden anymore. It's right there. They've locked up the airwaves. Every media station is locked up by the powers and the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts by these three spirits. These three spirits. You can't see it. You're blind. They're there. And they've invaded power structures. They've invaded corporations like Target, Anheuser-Busch, Kohl's, Chick-fil-A. Oh, he's a Christian. Well, that's, that's Jesus' chicken. They're not. They're not being. No, that's Jesus' chicken. No, man. It doesn't even make any sense. Why would Chick-fil-A make alliances there? Why would they brand themselves woke? They know who's eating their chicken. Me and you, man, we're the ones eating their chicken Christians. We love it because it's Christian-based. The spirits are so deceiving. God said this, that in the last days, there would be such a spirit of deception that even the elect, even the ones that know the Bible, your pastor, your mom, your dad, your grandma, no, not grandma, 
God, it's time to cast. It's time to get real. It's time to get real, church. Like, it's time to go home. And just walk through your house and be like, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go, you got to just start chucking stuff out the door. Open the windows. Every once in a while, you got to do a, a good cleaning, you know, open the windows up, walk through the house with some oil, walk into your kid's bedroom. Don't ask permission. It's your house. Walk in their bedroom. Go through all their stuff, all of it. Because spirits like to hide. They want to hide. They don't, they want to go undetected, church. Spirits do not want to be found out. They, they don't want to be found. And the last thing they want is to be cast out. They don't want to be cast out. But you know what we've done? We've tolerated what pigs despise. We've tolerated it. The pigs had good enough sense to kill themselves. <laughs> he said, he said, don't just, don't cast us out in the dry place. He said, put us, they said, put us in the pigs. He cast them out and they go to the pigs. What do the pigs do? Run off the side of a mountain. Why? Ain't no way I'm living with a demon, they said. But we do. We tolerate them. We tolerate them in the name of virtue. In the name of tolerance. In the name of love. In the name of acceptance. I'm not saying we don't love people. Listen to me. I love you. I don't care. I don't care what you identify as. I don't care who, who you love or don't love, gay, straight, whatever. I don't care. I'm, I love you, and, and you are, you, you, I, I want you here. I want you here. But what I refuse to do is, is say it's okay for you not to change into the image and the likeness of the one who is glorious in all of his ways. I refuse to tell you that you're okay because you are not okay in sin. I am not okay, man. I just want you to know we are not okay as a society. We are broken and we need Jesus and sin has ravaged our hearts. It's destroyed our societies. You gotta clean the house. He says, when an unclean spirit, this is when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'm going back to my house from when I came. And when he comes and he finds it swept and put in order, then he goes and he takes seven other spirits with him, more wicked than himself. And they enter and they dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than, than the first. This, this particular passage is not just talking about one individual. It's talking about a generation. It's a generation. There's another, there's a, a, in another gospel, it says, and, and the generation is worse. So this is not just talking about you or me individually. This is talking about the trans that has been put over the world. It's talking about a generation. Jesus is saying, you're going to have to be so alert in that last day because the enemy is going to put the entire world into a trance. There's going to be a movement, a counterfeit, an evil counterfeit movement that's going to put them all under a spell. And the, and the state is going to be, it's going to, it's going to grow worse. It's going to be worse. So what must we do? We've got to clean our house. We've got to clean it. 
But, but not, not only that, you got to know when you're empty. Because you can't leave yourself empty. You can't leave yourself empty. You get empty, man. You get broken. You get hurt. You get, like, but you can't stay empty. You got to understand, if, once you cast it out, you got to make sure that it stays full of the presence of Jesus, that you give no, you give no opportunity, no occurrence for the flesh. You, you, you have to kick it out, and you have to keep it out, and you have to keep yourself full. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled we must live in this constant state of hunger for the Lord and not enough of him. We must stay full. When we're empty, we are dangerous. You are, you are, you are dangerous when you are empty, when you are frustrated, when you are, when you are offended. When you are empty, you become, you become a, a target for hell. And he, and he unleashes the hordes of, 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 of hell after you when you're empty. He's coming at you. So fill. Take your authority. Clean your houses. I mean, literally, go through your houses. Go through your heart. God, where have I made alliances? In high places. Where? And you got to now get to the high places. And I'm not just saying spiritually. I'm saying literally, man. You must, you walk into a court, you start rebuking all of hell there. You walk, you walk into a school board meeting, you start tearing down principalities and powers, evil in that room. And it's time to invade them. It's time to get into the school boards. It's time to get into the government. It's time to get into to the local principalities. It's time, to it's time to make a stand. It's time to take a stand against these institutions that have aligned themselves openly with Satan. <gasps> I close. Jeremiah 6, 16. It's time to go back. It's, it's just time to go back, church. Come on, stand to your feet with me. It's time to go back. And I, I just want to invite you tonight. We got to go back to when life was simple. Like when sin was sin, a boy was a boy and a girl was a girl. Truth was the truth and a lie was a lie. It's time to go back and, and it says, thus says the Lord, stand in the way, stand in the intersection of life and see. Ask for the old paths. There's a way that seems right to the man, but the end there is death. He says, ask, have discernment enough to get to a place when things are happening and say, God, which way is the right way? Give me discernment enough to know who to, to believe and who not to believe. Because I'm telling you, the church has lost its discernment over the last five years. It's lost it. And I don't say that, like, I don't say that Pridefully, I say that with a broken heart to say, church, we must regain our wisdom and our discernment. How do you get it? You, you, there can't be any more compromise. And when we get to a place where, like, God, I just don't know, we got to stop and say, God, who is God? 
Who is right here, God? Tell me who is right. Ask, find, whenever you're in an intersection, say, God, where, where, where do we go from here? Tell me, God. He says, ask for the old path. Don't ask for the easy path. Don't ask for the broad way. Don't, don't follow the way that everybody else is going. Just because they say it's the right way, don't trust them. Get in the intersection of life and ask God, God, which is the right way? Where's the path? He says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. I am the path that leads to life. Get whenever, you're, whenever you get to a place where you say, I can't, I can't hear clearly. God says, stand there, ask for the old way. The older I get, the more I'm like, man, I should have kept, I should have kept that Riviera, man. It was a 1985 Riviera. That was way better than anything they're driving today, man. Old stuff is just cooler. But you don't know that till you get older. Louis said earlier, he said, you old, Troy. I said, I know, I'm cool too, man. I'm just old and cool, you know. Old is cool. Go back to the old way. Find the path of the Lord. And if you walk in it, this is what he says, you're going to find rest for your soul. Don't let the uneasiness of your soul make you run down a path because everybody else is. Ask for the discernment of the Lord. Come on, let's close our eyes and pray as we close. Father, I pray a spirit of discernment to come upon the church tonight. As we stand in this path tonight, as we stand at the intersection of time tonight, we ask for the Holy Spirit to give us greater discernment, sharper discernment, O oh God, that we would know the way and we would walk in it, O oh God, that we would not cower to the powers and principalities of this world, but God, you would give us courage and boldness to walk in the ways of the Lord, to walk in purity, to walk in sanctification, to walk in truth, God, to know love, to know what love really is, God, to live and worship you in the spirit of truth and love. bless you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus one more time. So you probably don't want me to preach any more Wednesday nights because I keep you to like 8.52, you know what I mean? I love you all. Live right, love everybody. Pray hard. God bless you as you go.